If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of Is a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. If you're hearing this, thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Is a Stream of Life with Brandon and Lauren. I'm finally back from the ATX TV Festival. Really enjoyed this year's uh, programming, and I can't wait to return next June. One of the highlights of the week was being able to sit down with actor and writer Chris Estrada, who is the creator and star of Hulu's comedy series This Fool. This Fool. Debuting last August, This Fool follows Julio Lopez, a 30-something South Central native, still living with his mother and grandmother. Um, working at a convict rehabilitation nonprofit called Hugs, not Thugs, he attempts to recruit his cousin Luis, who is fresh from a long prison stint, um, while navigating his own way through adulthood in his working-class neighborhood. Um, I sat down with Strada to discuss the reception he got for the season, um, his affluences, and what can can expect in the second season coming this summer. So here's my interview with Chris Estrada. So for starters, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, that really means a lot. Thank you. Really impressed with the first season. Um, I definitely... I. It felt like a slow build for the yeah. show, so I was really excited to see that I got the second season and it's, oh, yeah, it's catching yeah. on. Thanks, um, so how do you feel about the reception to the show and it being renewed? I feel really, I, I feel really happy about the reception, especially critically, because what we were trying to do was trying to create a show that like that we felt appealed to like a general audience, but also could appeal like aesthetically and critically to critics in a way where it's like. They're, for a general audience who maybe doesn't watch TV so in-depthly, they could still appreciate the funniness of the world and the story. But for a more critical audience who maybe watches like TV with a more cinematic lens and a cinematic narrative, they, they have a lot there too to also enjoy. So when critics really liked it, man, it, it felt great. And then the reception's have been cool. I mean, I get all types of people who come up to me and... I really appreciate that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Mm. So I know you've been on the stand-up circuit for a yeah. while. Mm. Um, when did a TV show come to fruition for you? Like, when did that start being a passion for you? You know, before I started doing stand-up comedy, I wanted to be a TV writer. <coughs> I wanted to be a TV writer, but I just didn't know a way in. I, I applied to a few fellowship programs that were around, and I kind of was like, I didn't go to college for TV, and like, I don't even have a college degree. I just buying books and like learning how to spec, and then I, um, but I didn't know a way in, so I decided I decided I always, I always wanted to do stand up, so I just started stand up, and then I was having so much fun doing it that I said, I'm gonna really just dedicate my time to this, and then five years in, around that time, I got a call from Jake Weissman. Uh, who's one of my co-creators of the show and I knew him from stand-up comedy and he he did a show on Comedy Central called Corporate with his partners uh, Matt Ingebrigtsen and Pat Bishop and then I met with them and we created the show together. Oh, awesome. Okay. And um, how did you know, like, a lot of people don't know they have a hit on their hands during the making, but what was when was the moment you knew that the show sort of had to reach a certain peak to yeah. become a hit? You know, when random people were like coming up to me, like when just like, you know, because sometimes I think there are shows that are like just critical darlings mm-hmm. and, and, but then when just when random people started coming up to me and like my name, my, like I, sometimes I'd go to South Central. 
to like visit friends and family or go to Inglewood to visit friends and family. There'd be like random people there who who would come up to me and like tell me how much they like the show. So I just thought, oh, like a more general audience is watching. Right. That, that felt really great. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, now, speaking of the story specifically, um, in the community that mm-hmm. you kind of built there is, is a lot of black and brown people. Yeah. Um, how much was that an intention when you went to casting and how was it how were you strategizing to figure out a way to portray them um, in a sense that was authentic but not yeah. stereotypical? Yep. Well, that was a, that was really intentional because I wanted to show that reflected. I wasn't trying to do it for righteous reasons. Like I wasn't trying to be woke about it. I just wanted to be honest. And I and I grew up down there, and the neighborhood's always been like half black and half Latino. So I just thought, oh, I want to see that reflected. You know, I just want. I think that's interesting. You yeah. know. And that's who lives down there, so that's who I should see, you know. And I didn't want to see one group more than the other. I wanted to try to find a balance, because that's a lot of what my life felt like. Like, I grew up with a lot of, like, I grew up with Latinos and black people, and I wanted to just see that. And I always think, like, that's an interesting mix, you know, because, like, so... And then the way to do it kind of authentically was just trying to be true to the world and the characters and make sure that nobody's... 100% good and nobody's 100% bad. Right. You know, everybody kind of lives in this nuance. Like, you know, in the recycling episode, like, where they're they're mad that there's a local homeless dude is sitting everybody's recycling. I wanted the black neighbor to be just as mad as the Latino neighbor. <laughs> right. And, and so, like, a class distinction that, like, working class people and poor people view each other differently yeah you know that was one of my favorite episodes because of that commentary you don't really think of like we always think of race as being the only thing but we forget that class also yeah class really affects us you know and I just remember thinking to myself like like what what related what I related to a lot of my black neighbors growing up is that we were all grew up broke (laughs) you know what I mean that was a common thing yeah so I wanted the show to like really reflect that in a way where it's like maybe let's talk about less about race because at least when I was growing up we wouldn't like talk about it through like an academic lens you know yeah the one thing we sure it came up but like the one thing that like bonded us sometimes was being broke so I just wanted to go be interesting if they start talking about it in that way yeah yeah which is what it felt like growing up definitely um, another point of the storyline, which I think a lot of shows on TV, especially comedies, don't really talk about, is sort of like the prevention of recidivism yeah. for those uh, you know previous convicts and felons yeah. in the Mexican society. What? Why was that such a big influence for the show for you? And how did that go about with the casting? Yeah. Because um, I'm just assuming watching the show, we have a lot of black and brown actors who I know in that industry would probably be cast as you know, thug number one or yeah, thug number right. two and how did they feel about coming through the comedic world yeah. comedic perspective of that that conversation well you know it's funny when casting that stuff it's like I think the reason that came about was because I grew up with a lot of family members who were a lot of my older cousins were gang members and they went to prison and I also just saw what life was like for them coming out like it's kind of hard you know it's like you're trying to figure it out you've been away for a while and life moves on without you and you get institutionalized and but I think in terms of it being comedic I just thought to myself um, the goal is like I was like I don't want to make fun of them because that's kind of easy pickings but if we can make the comedy about me and this cousin character 
who are like beefing and they have to deal with our bullshit. Everybody else around us is like, oh, these idiots are fighting again. I thought that would be really funny. And then just finding like funny ways to humanize them. I think, and I guess I, it was it was less trying to be righteous and more trying to be subversive. Because I, cause I think a lot of times when you see those kind of like, like dudes that like, you know, black and Latino dudes who may appear to be like gangster dudes though, they, when you see them in film and TV, they're doing gangster shit. Right. But I just thought, oh, it'd be kind of interesting and subversive if you're seeing them trying to be good people. And exactly. they overcompensate. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you're trying to be good people, like like going out of their ways to celebrate somebody's birthday. Like, really, they overcompensate. We have a birthday episode where they're all, like, chasing me down because I yeah. ate my birthday. You ate your birthday. Yeah. yeah. That was another great episode. Oh, thanks, man. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been reading for second season. Uh, what can we expect mm-hmm. for your character and your cousin? Because in season one, mm-hmm. you kind of starting over. Yeah, starting in, over. In a, in a, yeah. in a way, um, for both of you. So yeah. what can we expect for the second season? Yeah, that was a big philosophy of the show. The philosophy of the show was like how working class feels, working class life, which is one step forward, two steps backwards. Mm-hmm. So it always feels once you get a little forward, you always take a few steps back. And that was really inspired by this movie called Killer of Sheep. Like oh, yeah. really beautiful movie by this black filmmaker named Charles Burnett from Watts. He just made a movie about working class life that I really love. But I think the next season we, we still take that forward with that philosophy of going one step forward, two step backwards. But a lot of that is like finding Julio and Luis on what is life for them after Hugs Not Thugs close down. And, and how do they bring that back together? And how do, they, how do they bring those people who were important in their lives, like Chef Percy, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Minister Harold Payne, like Le- Mr. Leonard Payne, the Michael Imperioli character, and how do they, how do they find a way to bring those guys back into their lives? So a lot of it is that, and then also just kind of keeping exploring like what working class life is, what racial tension feels like, but through the lens of like comedy and being subversive. Definitely. Yeah. So you were speaking of you know, Michael Imperioli and the other actors. Um, how was it getting the guest roles on here? Did you have ideas in mind for the casting? Did you, did you reach out to them? Were there already relationships yeah. built there? For the guest roles, it was for Michael Imperioli, who is one of our reoccurring characters. He's in like six of the six to seven of the ten episodes. And that one was really just reaching out and like and offering him the role and thinking that he wouldn't say yes and then him saying yes and he was like really liked the scripts and then he was like yeah I'd love to be a part of it and that was really exciting because we're all big Sopranos fans and we're all just fans of him in general as an artist and then for like people like uh, Fred Armisen and Eliza Coop who played the billionaire couple at the end that Fred is an EP on the show so it was just as easy as asking him, like, would you do this? And then Eliza Coop was somebody that we enjoyed from Happy Endings. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite and, shows. And one of our EPs, Jonathan Groff, he was a showrunner on that show. So that was an easy connection. Awesome. And then, yeah, and then everybody else is just finding, I think for a lot of the other guest roles, like, we have uh, we have this character named Mo, this actor named Mo Hines. He plays the neighbor who's... Who, whose uh, stuff is getting is recycling getting stolen is just looking for people who maybe aren't necessarily that known but right. like present as real people that was yeah. our kind of thing was like we wanted a show where you believe that that person's it because sometimes you'll see shows and they, everybody looks like an actor 
Yeah. And we wanted to present a show where it's like you wanted people to look like real people. Real people. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any ideas for guest stars for the second season, or have you gotten that far yet? Oh, uh, we. We already shot second season, oh, the whole okay. thing. It's done. It comes out July 28th. We're like done editing and everything. And we have some pretty exciting like guest roles next season. One of them that I could give away is Bill Pullman. We got Bill Pullman to be in an episode. And um, yeah, that was really exciting. And then we kind of bring back some characters from season one in a really interesting way. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you no, know, dealing with you know, the writer's strike that's happening right yeah. now. Um, what are your ideas for the show? Do you have a, a, a perspective season count? Like, mm. Are you just happy it was renewed now? Or do you have sort of like a storyboard to where you want the show no, to go? No, you know, we create like, we just think of every season like the last. Oh. That's how we think about it. Yeah. So, and when we think about it that way, it makes us go. Then we, ha if this is, the, we don't know, but we always go, if this is the last, we have to make the best possible last season. Right. Right. Like, you know. So we always just, we try to, we dig ourselves into a hole that way. And then it kind of forces us to, for like, we dug ourselves in a hole first season by closing the place down, hugs not, thugs down, which was good because it forced us to, to be creative next season. And, right. you know, do we bring it back? Do we not? If we do, how do we do it? Like, you know, stuff awesome. like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I don't know how much time I have left, but my um, last well, another question. Yeah. Um, what were some of your influences for the show? Other series you had in mind? Or oh, yeah. Just um, um, influence in general when it comes you know, to your comedy or TV writing? When we pitched the show, we pitched it as Friday, but directed by the Coen brothers. So oh, that wow. was a big, like, that was a big merging of the I just love Friday. And I, like, I grew up not too far from when it was filmed. Mm -hmm. So, like, and then... So we just thought, like, how can we make a really funny, like, hood comedy? Like, Friday has that. And, you know, like, and how can we make that, like, and mix that with a more cinematic, like, aesthetic from, like, the Coen brothers, which we all love. Like, me and my co-creators love. So a lot of that was that. But then other shows that influenced were shows like Atlanta. We were big fans of Atlanta mm -hmm. and what, especially those first two seasons. Yeah. And how funny and weird the show was and esoteric. So that was a big influence. And then, um, you know, other shows like a lot of film. We were really inspired by a lot of film. You know, like I said, the Coen Brothers, Killer of Sheep, that was a big influence. The show Sopranos was a big influence. Just writing a show where the characters feel gr like it's a gray area, where everybody's like, not the best person, but not the worst person. Right. They're just people trying to get by. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Um. Season two of this full premieres on July 28th, only on Hulu. Until then, keep on streaming.